Hello and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan. And this week, we had the pleasure of playing What Remains of Edith Finch. What Remains of Edith Finch is uh, about $20. It is a game that was developed by Giant Sparrow, published once again by Annapurna Interactive, who's made a couple of appearances on the show. And you can pick it up right now for about $20. I think you can find it on a couple of different consoles, but $20 is the price on Steam right now. Um, It's kind of a return to form for us for a heavily story-focused game that we actually have things to say about, because (laughs) the last few episodes have not been that... (laughs) Yeah, the um, times are tough, as I'm sure we all know. So let's just hop right into it. I've got we've got a bit of an agenda for today. We're gonna kind of go through what the game is, what we liked about it, non-spoiler style. Um, tell you why we'd recommend you do or don't play it, or you know, tell you a little bit more about it, and then mm-hmm. we'll get into some spoilers for some questions and things like that, and um, just kind of discuss what we, you know about the game so if you have really played find it find out what remains of edith finch you know right right so if you have played it there's going to be some more savory questions uh later and if you haven't then uh yeah come along with us on this good journey <laughs> yep. shaking the rust off um so what remains of edith finch is um it's a really interesting game it presents itself initially as um, I, I mean, I guess the term is walking simulator, right? That is, like, extremely what it is. Um, it, it tells the story of this this girl who I think is 17 or 18 at the beginning of the story, kind of going back to her ancestral family home um, to kind of explore and find out some secrets after her mother had recently passed away. Um, but the game opens up, you know, it is essentially a, a series of vignettes about different family members throughout the years. But what appears to initially just be a, you know, kind of gone home style walking simulator move around interact with things um, becomes a lot more in the way that it takes on kind of a I guess mystical quality Um, the vignettes are told in extremely differing story formats with differing levels of connection to the real world um, different art styles different light gameplay mechanics it really kind of opens up and becomes way more creative than your typical um, again like gone home or uh, I'm having trouble thinking of other walking simulators off the top of my head. Dear but Esther. It, dear Esther, that's the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it really... Um, it It's hard to describe without giving spoilers because I don't want to describe any of the scenes because I think they're all so yes. unique and interesting. But it ends up being something way more than any of those that you would... Um, think it just in terms of the actual form of storytelling. And I think, generally speaking, works incredibly well yeah so um up top as well this game is about two hours if even um if you're really looking through stuff i think it takes about two hours but if you're just kind of playing through it for you know just to play through it it's probably going to be like an hour 45 or hour and a half um and i think this is sort of a to me this is like a masterpiece in the walking simulator i masterpiece of just using very generally because like out of all the walking sims i've played i feel like this has all the elements that i want in one where it's a nice duration it's not too long Mm -hmm. um there's enough to do during it where they give you activities that aren't like directly walking around a scene or you know trying to find one piece of the puzzle that fits into another one there's no like real puzzle here but they you know it's presented as sort of a journey throughout this house so you still feel like you're kind of like whoa i'm going through different rooms and they have weird odd connections and stairways and halls and stuff like that yeah without it being like an overburdened puzzle and the character walks slow because there's stuff to look at not because the dialogue needs time to play until you get to the next scene um so mechanically speaking it's an amazing game like for taking you in between scenes and like you know kind of understanding that spacing and that timing and i think that all of the vignettes and stories that are told are also a lot of fun and very interesting so if you have any interest in this again it's like two hours. I know the price may be like, oh, that's a lot for this, you know, amount of time. Because if you think like that, then 
whatever you're wrong but still um, <laughs> this is not the podcast for you i will tell you that right now but. exactly so it is a worth well worth investment uh because i think it is a game that uh it stuck with me a little bit so i really liked it so yeah sure. and even the the non like I, I think all of the vignette stuff where it gets really creative and becomes kind of otherworldly is really interesting and really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the stuff that is not that, the stuff that is literally just you walking from place to place is like, like you said, it's paced out well enough. They, the presentation of it all is great. I'm like in love with the way that the dialogue, the character speaks kind of like falls in as like text kind of overlaid on top of the real world in really creative ways and like when you walk through it it like blows out to the wind right um it's just all the stuff they do to um keep you engaged with the slow walking pace with the kind of you know just looking around is really interesting and all of the shots that you get of the kind of ancestral family home are really cinematic so even when it's not doing the stuff that like makes it stand out it still does the other stuff that it you know other games have done but it does it extremely well um, yeah. so I, I definitely definitely echo echo the sentiment of if you, if you have any interest whatsoever i highly recommend you go check this game out because it was it was fantastically well done i expected to sit down and play it for you know i was like ah you know i've got a couple hours throughout the day maybe i'll sit down and play half an hour here half an hour there and finish it by the end of the day and i just i was hooked from like minute one basically and sat down and played the whole thing in one sitting it's super engaging it's uh it, they the the story's very around enough where it's definitely worth the play. Um, yeah, so that's I think that's pretty much all we need to say for the sort of like up top stuff before we actually get into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Again, go check it out. Um, Annapurna once again. I was looking Killing at their it. catalog on Steam, and it's just like, yep, okay, that was a great game. That was a great game. That was a great game. This so, is gonna be yeah. a great game. Like, basically the future stuff yeah it's yeah so if, awesome. uh, if you see that tag on there you know pretty much to check it out uh, i don't think giant sparrow has made anything previously so i don't have anything to compare it to but yeah it, this was um this was a a game that i put on the back burner for far too long and like you said it, it did stick with me and like you know i don't think it is a game that tries in any way shape or form to toy with your emotions but right. it's definitely a game that made me emotional yeah so. for sure all right we're going to cross the line we will figure out what did or did not remain of Edith Finch. I don't really know what the other side of the line looks like. I don't either. Uh, but so um, welcome those who have played the game. For those who have not, we'll try and sort of explain some of the things that we're going to be talking about so you can kind of fill some things in. Uh, but... So some of the stuff that we left out here would be that um, every one of these characters along the way dies, mm-hmm. which is important. And most of these vignettes are sort of seeing how they died, but in a sort of skewed, bizarre way where, like, the curse has taken them. And there's, like, you know, a sort of yeah. speak of a family curse, but, you know, that's not really the, like, focus focus here. Um, but... Uh, you know, some went missing, some have confirmed deaths, some are, you know, sort of unconfirmed, and others are just sort of characters. So you kind of go around the family tree in a way that is, like, almost oldest to youngest, but not all the time. Um, So I think it's important to know that if you didn't play, and I guess we can just jump right into which one is your favorite. I don't know. Anything else we should talk about? Um, I think that's a good place to start. I think it, it's a it's a good place to kind of get our feet wet. Um, do we want to take a guess at which we each think mm. the other's favorite was? Do you have one picked out? I know you were kind of on the <sighs> fence between a few. Honestly, I have... I'm really in between two, so I'll let you guess. If you get either one right, I'll give it to you. Okay, I'm going to guess the one that I is not mine. So I'm going to guess that your favorite was... <sighs> Barbara, who would be the comic book? All right, I'm going to guess that yours was Lewis. Mine was Lewis by a wide, okay. wide margin. I had a hard time between Lewis and Barbara, but okay, good. My only, my only problem with Lewis is, is it was just a little too long. Yeah. So for for people who have played it before, Lewis was the worker at the cannery factory where. His whole sequence is a combination of you, like, dragging fish over to get their head cut off and throwing them onto a line while he imagines a different world that he's exploring and starting to rule over that slowly overtakes the entire screen, um, culminating in him 
completely disassociating from reality and accidentally or purposefully it's kind of left to interpretation though i i would definitely lean towards purposely um decapitating himself with the the cannery machine um it it was a little bit long but i was just enthralled by it the whole time so i i would have been more than happy i think the the way that it slowly spreads out throughout the screen was incredible i think the you know there's a little bit of choice in there which is always interesting and just the mechanical nature of me like you know basically without even realizing it just like grabbing a fish and putting it to the side like it it was incredibly good and also i think maybe one of the more relatable deaths of them of just like somebody who was so disaffected with life and their everyday life that they completely like give in to escapism i think was a a really powerful kind of story in general yeah i um I think all the pieces were there when you were kind of exploring his room. So, like, a lot of these death scenes are related to, like, you know, when you get into the person's room, you usually either find a note or some sort of link to the person that Mm -hmm. makes you either write or read something that leads you to the... um, to the death or the scene and you get to kind of play in their eyes. And I think having it be a um, report from a um, psychologist is like kind of interesting. And instead of looking at it from the family's perspective, you're looking at it from the psychologist's perspective, which is like this very, like I didn't know whether to encourage this behavior or to let him be in that escapism world or to, you know, kind of, Mm-hmm. tell him to branch out um but i don't know it's a it was a really good one i just think that the middle part of it was a little too long and i was kind of already picking up with it uh but overall though it's still really great um barbara's on the other hand was weird in a stylized way that i think worked for me because it's what got me out of all of the like beginning parts of the game i think it's where i was like okay we're doing some just we're going out there for style, you know, and yeah. I'm I'm a big style person. I really like when people go out there for different sorts of looks for things or feelings or tones. Um, and hers is set up like a horror comic where she um, is like she's known for this famous scream she had when she was a child. And then uh, she died in some way i don't remember hers was weird right because everyone else is like here's this horrible accident or here's this mental problem hers just implied like yeah she got got by a serial killer (laughs) and i okay i don't i wonder if the intention was that the there was a boyfriend or something like that or a really big fan that did it because i think the the character in the in the comic book that is like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm the you know supporting guy who is like helping you get your scream back, and he keeps trying to scare her to make the yeah. scream better. I think that the whole like I'm going to really actually scare you to get that scream back. So I don't know. I think that that's a possible suspect of that. Um, but yeah. it makes her like star character of like this mystery of you know how did this celebrity really die, you know, kind of thing work really well for her. Um, And I don't know, it was just a really well, um, like they did a cell shading thing when you played in 3d. Otherwise it was like comic book pages. It was really good. Yeah, it was, it was definitely standout. um, I think for, I think that's like the second one you ever do. It felt, you know, really, um, like they were going to be swinging for the fences for the whole game. And I, they largely do, but I definitely think that is maybe the most, like those two are by far the most stylized of all of them. Uh, yeah. And they, they, they tend to, to work really well because I think if you were just telling that story, like any other fashion, it would be a lot less interesting. Yeah. It's also um, narrated by like a, uh, are you afraid of the dark goblin pumpkin man who's like, Barbara was frightened oh, by the door creaking. And it That's just, good. it put That's me in a good. mood. Yeah. I love those kind of voices. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that, that was, those are, are I think definitely the two strongest. Um, I want to be clear when we say the two strongest, like that, that is what I mean. The rest of them were also 
all extremely good. Um, I don't think there's any... I'm looking through this list right now. I don't think there are any that didn't work for me. There are some that didn't stick with me as much. Sure. Um, but I think all of them were, in their own way, shape, or form, really good. And I think the um, the kind of layering on, the stylistic layering on, did a really good job of keeping me engaged while I was you know, like going through the vignette, but also did a really good job of keeping me like during the moment while it was happening, a little divorced from the reality of like, Oh, this is just another like person, oftentimes a child who died. Um, and like they, it, it made a really good interplay between like, here's this interesting stylized, like storybook way of telling it. And then kind of, as soon as that fades away and you're just like back in that person's childhood room, it kind of hits a little bit. They're like, Oh, yeah. like, that's just like again usually a kid that died in a tragic horrifying way like that's fucked up yeah and not knowing i think going into this game blind is key like that's why Mm. i didn't want to talk about the death when we started is because i think when i started to realize i think by like you know probably by barber calvin you know that like these are all just people who died and i'm gonna just see how my whole family died um Mm really dark like knowing that edith is like the last is just sort of like i don't know it's um it's kind of chilling in a way that i didn't expect right out the gate and i think going in blind is really important and i think the other thing that like when you start the games and the vignettes there's a really good way that they i don't know they don't exactly say it's so directly like when you're walking up to the house it's not like yeah i'm really gonna figure out how they all passed away it's very kept very vague of like i'm going to figure out the story or the yeah. reason so i think they're just really good at um they were did really good at pacing you through all that stuff um yeah and i i i agree i do you like do you remember what you expected this game to be about or were you just totally you had no idea i knew that it had some different imagery and that it was about a big house those were the two things i (laughs) knew before i came in so i was very blind coming in gotcha yeah i I mean i knew it was going to be about an old house and a family curse but i really expected it to be more about like you know the history of why the family thinks this is a curse and like the history of yeah, I, I did not expect everyone to have been dead. I assumed it was just they all abandoned the house and now she was coming back to, like, re, you know, get in touch with her family roots right. or anything. But it was, you know, I, I think you're right. I think going into this blind was, was absolutely the way to do it. Yeah. Um, hmm. What do we want to talk about now? Good transition, huh? <laughs> yeah, good transition. <laughs> it's very conversational. You know how in conversation you just stop and say, what should we talk about next? You know what? <laughs> You know, here's how conversations usually go like that is, is we just go, we'll go, huh, hmm. and then we find something else to talk about, but maybe like mm, 20 to 30 seconds into that next conversation, I want to talk about the thing we were talking about before, but it's too late mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's too late. So now that we're locked into this topic, I retain a hundred percent that we're going to talk about what remains of Edith Finch and not like weird social things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. thank God we're not talking about that. Like that would be terrible. We're talking about that the game, and this that's is good. Much better. This is we can so focus much on better. the important stuff: the death of a fictional family, one by one, including six children. <laughs> there's a lot of child death. <laughs> um, a lot of child death in a, this game. A lot of these scenes made me very uncomfortable in a good way. Yeah. Um, which do, do you remember? Did any of these like actually like put any shivers down your spine? I don't. I don't know if we should do this where we're just like, which one of these did X or Y or Z? But like. Can you but think I am of a curious because t- we peak. didn't talk about this before, so I just I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> the thing. What, did you have a peak uncomfortableness? Um, I think peak uncomfortableness was probably um, the Gregory, the like one year old infant who just dies by drowning in a bathtub because he gets left unattended for a little while. Um, I think that was kind of like the contrast between uh, like an infant like essentially you know not necessarily being killed by neglect but being killed like in a way it's a pure accident yeah like a total accident that was also a hundred percent preventable but was not like really anybody's fault the contrast between that and like the nice music and you like his bath toys are jumping around and kind of like doing almost a like it's that uh, one of those famous songs yeah yeah definitely 
Yeah, and it, like I think the contrast between those two things was a little bit spine chilling for me, and I think that ended up making me, again, like you said, probably probably peak uncomfortable throughout the whole game. But also, all of these were a little bit uncomfortable. Well, the thing I really I liked Gregory's because of the narration. I think from the dad, there was something mm-hmm. that was really. Because you're reading a letter, yeah. I think, from I think the divorce reading... papers or something yeah. like that. They're attached to divorce papers. papers. Yeah, that's from the dad of the kid. And he's talking about, like, Gregory so fondly of, like, his character of, like, he's like a baby. But he's, like, you know, he's so, he was, I could see the creativity in his eyes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, he found fun in all these different things that, but he was just, you know he's just a baby (laughs) it's like you as playing as the baby you were like you know moving these toys around and then they became you know full of life and stuff like that so and just knowing the impending death was uh yeah it wasn't great but i don't know it 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 didn't really get me as much as as some of the other ones i feel like for some reason maybe i'm just not empathetic to that kind of stuff i don't know why um you just hate infants Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, I mean that that's fair. That's fair. I, it worked for me, but you know, it definitely worked. Don't don't get me wrong there. But there's something about um, I don't know why, but the swing boy Calvin, mm, Calvin. There's something about that that I just hate. <laughs> so Calvin's story is that he just really wanted to fly. Just like that's his whole shtick, um, and he's swinging. And he's talking, uh, you know, as his twit with his twin or, you know, it's like from the perspective of that twin saying, like, I told him he couldn't go the full way around, but he was dedicated towards it. And then the mm. mom is just calling him out for dinner. And this you're just controlling a boy swinging way too fucking high. And there's something about me controlling his death. Like, Gregory, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you were... There's nothing you could have done to prevent that, but mm-hmm. you playing as the boy who's swinging just a little too high, and you just go full loop-de-loop, and you go way too fast, and you fling off of the swing set into the ocean rocks, and there's a crunching sound, and I don't like that at all. I, <laughs> yo, what a horrible place for a swing set, also. Yeah. This is a swing set, like, on the precipice of a cliff, basically, like... That, that wouldn't be safe even if he didn't try to go all the way around. Sure. Um, but sure. yeah, I, I definitely, I get what you mean there about like having to physically be the one to to control the actions definitely made it um, and they a had little a bit s- more uncomfortable than it had to be. And they had a certain screen shake and like a uh, rumbling of you know, like you going up and down and stuff like that that I just, ugh, man. I, yeah. I don't like height stuff. It really gets to me, man. That's probably that why would, this one that gets would me be the hardest. One, that would be hard for you then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would do it. Peak uncomfortable kid death. <laughs> yeah. Jesus There's Christ. just so much kid if death. We had, if we had episode names, peak uncomfortable kid death would be a, a big contender. I honestly think we should start getting episode names, though. Uh, I think it gives maybe. a little bit of... Yeah, maybe. we can talk about that later. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really not on-air conversation. <laughs> Uh, speaking of poorly built houses this house is fucking awesome (laughs) this house is extremely cool i i'm in love with this house that does not look like it should physically be able to exist because of how many like one room additions are built basically straight into the sky on top of each other i'm assuming this is like washington Maybe uh, like some probably. some sort of western state because I feel like a sneeze from over here in the the Midwest could blow that fucking house down. <laughs> a, a brisk a brisk wind, but yeah. it's so cool. It is. It's extremely cool. And like your journey up the house throughout the entire game, like moving towards those upper rooms, felt really really cool. Um, also, the inside of the house, it's just like you know spin this thing and then push these five books into each other and then you can pull out this entire like section of wall which makes a secret passage to these other rooms it's like ah it was so cool it was really really cool so your mom in the game's canon sealed off all of the doors in the house Mm -hmm. she kind of went crazy huh well you know to be fair 
I don't know when she did that, but there was a lot of death in that house. I yeah, mean, but... Because she even... came back, and when she came back, already both of her siblings had died in that house, and three of what would have been... Like, I think by the time she came back, three of her uncles, uh, like aunts and uncles, had died in that house. And I think... I I, I don't yeah. think anyone else had, but I think she kind of, like you know, lost it in terms of, like, thinking that that house was maybe doing some of the killing. I don't know if she sealed that up after Milton disappeared, who was, like, your brother who you just don't know what happened to. Um, but she definitely did kind of lose it a little bit, yeah. Man, because of Milton, like, Milton's art. So Milton is the lost, your lost younger brother. Because his mm. art is just kind of, like, his weird character. Makes me wonder if Milton ever really existed, man. Because, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a very strange location. Anyways, getting back more on topic is like, I think that even so, it that's pretty wild to think, like, associate that house. Like, it makes sense for the character, but, like, just thinking in terms of, like, an actual person, like, mm-hmm. feeling like that house is such a connection to the disappearance or death of your family so much that you, like seal all these doors off to different places of the house and like i don't know there's some i mean interesting I, subtext there or like untold stories part of it yeah and I, I to be fair i think this game does a lot of really good stuff with kind of expressing the trauma of this family curse onto like these these different peoples and like how they handle the the various death right like you know the divorce papers you are reading are shortly after you know gregory passed away and you are reading it between you know the two um parents of his and the like walter was one of the characters who i I didn't really fully understand um at first but you know i i think they do lay it out i just didn't necessarily get it immediately but like you know his whole thing was he went down into a bunker and just like an underground secret bunker and just didn't leave for like 30 years because he was afraid of dying Um, but the only other time his character is referenced is him hiding under the bed in Barbara's story when she's killed by whatever home invader is in there right so it makes sense that he would be like just terrified of the real world yeah um which then ironically he leaves the bunker and immediately gets hit by a train which like that was almost comical and how sad it is but i don't think that's really what happened though i mean he leaves in 2005 and also dies in 2005 sure but i don't think he i think he died in 2005 but i don't think he got hit by a train because i just think that's also the other thing that i think is is that there's nowhere around the house that's you can see that's connected to a train well, out of his bunker, you go immediately onto a, like, old railroad line. Yeah, but and the railroad everything. line just leads to the ocean. <laughs> well, you know, but also in his story, <laughs> right? Like, he's afraid of, you know, the personification of that curse that's out there, and that's personified by the constant rattling, and that rattling is assumed to be the train going uh, by rattling his bunker. I see. I wonder why the train tracks were just completely broken at the end, then. Uh, I mean, I don't know, you kill a person on train tracks, maybe you stop using the train tracks to go through the middle of a mountain next to an ocean for some reason and under a house. That's, a, I don't know, dude, there's just something weird about that that I can't, I can't buy into, but it's not really, yeah. uh, interesting talk there. Um, hmm. I think that there's some really interesting stuff when you, like, I think there's two passes I thought about all these characters, not really the kids, though is I thought about their deaths individually, which is, you know, kind of the first path th- pass through. And then I thought about how all of them were affected by the death of either other people in the house or thinking that there is a curse or, like, you know, mm-hmm. the inevitability of their death. People like Walter with the bunker guy is, you know, like, it's very clear that he was more focused on, you know, the curse and the death of others more than like you know being affected by the other characters deaths well except for barbara because that one connects but like i don't Mm -hmm. know it's really interesting the two passes that you kind of have of thinking of these characters do you feel that way at all or yeah i definitely i I think there is a really interesting level where you can just kind of examine each of the individual characters and talk about like how the previously explained deaths like relate to their particular character traits um, like we said with Walter and, and Sam, who was one of his brothers, it was very like 
extreme survivalist and extreme that you know the world's not going to give you anything you have to be careful you have to be ready to get it to yourself like you you know very much you have to look out for yourself because everything is out to get you and i think you can obviously like draw a line between that and the fact that his three younger siblings had died before he was like an adult yeah Um, i think all of that ties pretty well and you can see that like on each generation going upwards because they do a good job of like explaining chronologically like here's when they were born here's when they died and like as you're going through you can kind of put it together but when you have i think the whole picture it's even easier to like step back and see like oh wow this is like you know here is how everyone was affected kind of backwards and forwards in terms of like looking at the you know, the people who were able to move beyond that and try to, like, continue to live their life anyway tended to be the people who then had children that they were then trying to, like, foster and keep safe in the family and, like, give a normal life. Um, and I think there's a lot of really interesting layers you can look at that, um, look at the game in that way. Hmm. So, Discurse real? <laughs> <laughs> this thing it's real? Sure, it sure seems like it, but I don't know how much of it is it's real and how much of it is just, like... How many of these stories do you think are actu- actually happened? Because they've convinced me that almost all of them actually happened. But I don't know. It. I can well, see... What do you mean how many of these stories actually happened? In the context... Well, there's a couple of obvious ones. Like, like Molly, a character we haven't talked about yet, transforms mm-hmm. like into... So she's put to bed without dinner. And she is extremely hungry and she starts wandering around her room and eating things. But then she miraculously turns into a cat and then and uh, and then eats a mouse. But then she turns into an owl and eats a rabbit, etc. Uh, and then mm-hmm. she turns into a big sea monster and, uh, you know, uh, eats a sailor, um, which there is a fucking achievement for letting the, the sailor say, sing his whole. <laughs> what would you do with a drunken sailor song, which is. <laughs> Oh, that, that's really good. Pretty funny. Anyways, so that one's obviously not real. She didn't transform into a monster. Uh, she mm-hmm. probably, you know, passed away from eating inanimate objects or something like that that is bad for yeah. her body or poison. But, like, I feel like things like... Like, Walter's one, or, you know, at this point, maybe even, like, Lewis's one, or, you know, I don't know. I guess there are more real ones than not real ones. Like they even, I think it kind of, the thread starts with Odin and Edie always says like, he was killed by a dragon, but he was killed by a statue of a dragon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Sven was killed by the statue of the dragon. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Um, Odin was killed in the sea trying to bring his house over by boat to a different place, which is insanity. I, I kind of see what you're getting from, but I think all of them had, like, I think all of them were true stories that were told in a way that, you know, had elements in them that wasn't true. Like, they were all stories, they were all embellished, but I do think all of them had the core of what eventually ended up, you know, killing whatever person in the family was true. Like, I do think, you know... Lewis did end up succumbing and, you know, killing himself at the cannery. I do think that Walter was killed by, you know, outside forces as soon as he left his bunker. I do think that Molly did, you know, she was very hungry and she tried to eat everything. And then, you know, because she ate, you know, the first thing you eat is a full tube of toothpaste, which is like immediately, oh, that's not going to be good. Like, I do think she died of that. So I I think all of them, like, I'm looking at the list and I don't see any that I think weren't true but i think they have different levels of like you know sam he was knocked off of a cliff by a deer and you have a picture of that like <laughs> that, that just one happened kind of hard to be like that didn't i don't know what happened there dude just got knocked off the cliff by a deer because he was forcing his daughter to go hunting even though she was very uncomfortable with it in a way that was like mm, sam i don't feel that bad for you but also that sucks yeah um so wrapping back around you said it sure feels like this curse is real because I think, I think the curse is really just like I think all of these people are extremely ambitious and I think their ambitions and passions like led them to their own deaths in a lot of ways. Like mm. it feels like all of these people sort of like got into deeply into something and then because they're like focus on it or you know like unattentiveness towards others got either themselves or their kids killed 
because like you know why was no one watching the swinging boy near the bad cliff why was molly sent to bed without any food like and yeah. she can't be that hungry you know what i mean like she shouldn't be that hungry you know um gregory's was a terrible accident the baby you know but like gus like there was a wedding happening and he was flying his kite and mm -hmm. it was storming outside and they were just having a party and no one cared about gus and like you know it it, it just feels like it you know gus was very rebellious towards we don't need a stepmom kind of thing but like it just felt very um like all of the deaths were not like by chance but by others hands yeah it didn't it i mean it didn't have a strong like final destination vibe to the curse <laughs> I, you know i think the real the real family curse is that they're all a bunch of stubborn jackasses and it got a bunch of people killed um yeah, because it, every like you said, everyone was either stubborn or so drawn into their own thing that they were inattentive to what was going on around them. Um, I think, with the exception of the like three youngest children, Lewis, Milton, and Edith, who you know, Lewis just had a mental breakdown. Milton disappeared, and Edith, um, Edith fucked me up. That was really sad. I mean, she just dies during childbirth. It's implied. Yeah, but you know, she's also the narrator, and you realize that her whole narration is a book that she's writing to her unborn child. Um, but I, I, I think the curse was definitely. Like, I don't, you know, again, I don't think there's a damn dog. You're just gonna breeze past the climax like that. Just I'm like, oh, I, I, oh yeah. Just back. so we're you know, <laughs> we're coming back to the climax. But I did want you know, yeah, to, yeah, no, finish this thought up, which is like, I don't think. Their house is built on an Indian burial ground or anything, but also, I mean, it was the you know part of the remains of a house that they tried to drag across the sea. So maybe it came from a super cursed place. I don't know. I you know I don't know where they initially lived or anything. Yeah, but huh. also Edie did fine. She lived to be ninety something. So I don't know what's everyone else doing, dude. I think Edie's like the fucking weaver of the curse like she is <laughs> she is she has a giant like loom in her basement where she's just weaving the fate of all of her family members oh god oh man when she don't go in god what a bad what a bad ending would it be if like you saw like a, a like a, a a stinger scene of her like with a big tree and she had the names of everyone and she snapped a branch and you just watched oh. edith die Damn. That would be that would be miserable. That would <laughs> I would not have liked the game if that's how it ended. <laughs> what a ruined um, game. No, but we we should talk about the climax though, because the climax again again mm, I nah no don't want to just want to breeze past it like I did. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, no, so like I said up top, you know this game. I think it was very effective in what it tried to do. I think there were points where it made me uncomfortable. There were points where I was a little bit sad, but I'm not gonna lie. I was like you know. At the end of the game, like, I, I actually did cry a little bit because, I don't know, something about the way the family was portrayed and then the way that, like, you're reading, you know, the, the last sequence of the game is, like, you know, a baby slowly being, you know, again, not in graphic detail or anything, but, like, a baby slowly being born as Edith is narrating how, like, you know, this is the history of their family and you know, talking about these stories, like giving these stories to this child, but saying that she doesn't want the child to ever have to read this book because she wants to just be able to tell the child the truth. And like something about the, like the culmination of how this family line is continuing and persevering throughout all this tragedy mixed with the fact that like this character that you've actually gotten to know and like whose perspective you've come to trust, who was also really young. She was like 18 or something when she had this kid um, dies via childbirth, which is like, literally no fault of her own whatsoever she wasn't being stubborn or anything like that like it it got me in a way that i was not expecting this game to like actually make me feel yeah i think the sort of like the hit of her like so there's a scene where you end up in a graveyard where you're like in a mm -hmm. pet cemetery and then you're, you know, by some of the actual people's graves and then you have to climb a tree to sort of get to a window. And she's like, God, I wish, you know, my mom would have left me a note saying there would be this much climbing because I'm pregnant. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and like they tease some things before that are like, you know, um, you know, uh, I wish these like little like trap you go through these short narrow um what would you call them like 
trap little, little door hidden passages yeah hidden passages basically. and you're like god these hidden passages aren't made for like you know such wide shoulders or big bellies or whatever and i'm like mm-hmm. big bellies i mean you look down and i'm like hey, she got a little bit of a tummy let's go it's all right and then i kept going like not thinking about it and it's like yep they told mm-hmm. that to me that's the kind of <laughs> storytelling that i love when you can do that kind of stuff and especially playing shit. from a player's perspective and kind of messing with you with the camera and stuff like that it's good stuff mm-hmm. It also um, makes sense why the there's no run button, you know? Yeah, yeah. Can't run. Can't jump. <laughs> can't do anything. You're pregnant. That would be unsafe. Damn. We should make all walking simulators have pregnant characters to justify the slowness of the speed. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if their initial design doc was just walking thing, question mark, and then under it a line that said, what if character was pregnant? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be yeah. really good. So, yeah, that, that sort of climax hit, and then you start to put the pieces together as you're walking and being like, oh, this book is for her kid. This mm-hmm. is hard. And, like, thinking about the cycle, and you kind of start to – I think the curse kind of manifests in your own head of being like, oh, my God, she's going to give this to her kid. The kid's going to come to the house. He's going to die, too. He's going to have a kid. And just, like, that repeating cycle, it – I don't know. It – it's just a fucking masterclass of being good at just like showing you and telling you just enough, just a perfect amount and letting you yeah. fill in your own blanks. Like it's great. It is. It is really good. And it does like, you know, this is like fucking English one Oh one, not a deep, like sure. thought whatsoever. But like, I really do like the way that that like the ending um, kind of ties together, like, obviously, the continuation of the family line with the history you just got. And also, like, it, you know, Christopher, her child, is what remains of Edith Finch. But right. also what remains of Edith Finch is the connection to this entire, you know, history going back to the 1800s, this house, this family, like, all of the tragedy and triumph throughout them. Like, you know, that is not only the lens you see it through, but it is the only living connection to this whole family. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't put a ton of stock into, like, oh, that's the title. Right. Um, but I do think it's really cool that, like, you know, like, and they didn't lean into it. They were like, and that's what remains right. of me. Because that would have sucked <laughs> shit. That would have been terrible. But I really like, I like the way that that all kind of comes together and, like, makes you think about, like, okay, like, what does remain? What is a family history? You know, she talks about thinking these stories are important not because of like the content but because they connect you to your history and like i i think they do a really good job of kind of um putting that all out there and also conversely making me feel like shit about just not knowing anything about my family comparatively well if your family lived in a 10 story shack put together with a boat on top and a castle (laughs) then i think you'd be a little bit more interested in your family history but for me it's just like i don't know my dad my great grandpa's welsh or something like came from germany i don't fucking know (laughs) it doesn't matter if they're not dragging boats cross cut or houses cross country i'm sorry i don't really want to (laughs) know That's the criteria. Anything that or more interesting, I'll start learning about my family. But if they just worked a bunch of blue-collar jobs and died when they were old, I don't care, man. That's sad, but also a little true. That should be a that should be a uh, like a um, twenty-three and me. Like you know, you go through sort of your like your can you know your possibilities of cancer and stuff like that, and you know your. But one of the things should be: Did your great grandpa drag a house through the Atlantic? <laughs> Oh, come on. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God they did. I would would love a 23andMe type service that just kept going back far enough until it found somebody in your family tree that did something fucking wild. It just got like a bunch of like, this guy built a castle out of sticks and it broke in a week and that's your his. Like, I would love something like that. He built a castle of sticks and it broke in a week. Yeah, but like, you know, <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, oh, I told myself I, would... I wouldn't laugh really hard at not funny things, but that one just got okay. me. <laughs> well, it was funny. I, I thought it was a masterclass in humor, but that's... <laughs> I would, I would, I would pay for that service to know how far, how many generations back I have to go to find something absolutely ludicrous like that. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Oh. Um, but yeah, that it's it was a really well put together ending um jeeves jeez louise 
What else to say? Did, you, I, 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 did it affect you emotionally the same way it did me, or did you just think that it was a really well-done <laughs> ending? <laughs> I didn't cry like you, you oh, God. big baby, dude. You just... I don't want to say it, dude, but you're the biggest fucking baby I know, man. No, I didn't... I didn't... I did not respond in the same way, like physically, but it did. Mm-hmm. It did get me in my feels, and I did take a walk like right after, and was just like, "Damn, damn, that was a good experience." Yeah. And just like thinking about, you know, Edith and how she relates to the other. I don't know. Is it? It brought me a lot of emotion and a lot of like good feels of like that was a good story. I'm glad I played that yeah. kind of thing, but uh, not the same. Not the same. No, yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. I also, side note, as a society, boy, we gotta stop using the word feels for emotional, and we gotta start digging deep to find better words for that shit, man. You're right. You're right, dude. Just that's not jabbing. a dig at you. That's no, that's it a dig is. at society. No. You know how we said we weren't gonna talk about society earlier in the episode? Here it is, man. We're in it now. Let's talk about Did society. Did we say we're not gonna talk about? Oh, that's right. That's right. Social things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, uh, um, I would say a better word for what I went through was emotional satisfaction. Hey, there we go. That's we're good. Nice job, Duncan. Thank you. Thank you. I feel you connected just, to what you felt. Now you can just like replace anything anytime I describe anything regarding my emotions and just put that clip in where it's just like, yeah, it really got me emotional satisfaction, <laughs> and I think that. <laughs> Uh, well, good, good. Um, hmm, she's what Louise. else do we have to say about what remains of it Edith Finch? was a two-hour game, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, we've talked for about half the length of the game at this point, and I think it was great. I don't think it's going to, you know... I, I, do, I am curious, because we kind of touched on this a little bit. Did you feel any... You know, we, we obviously felt a connection to the history of these characters. Did you feel a particular connection to any of the characters themselves, not just their death? Good question. Um, I think Lewis for sure. I mm-hmm. am one to get lost in, you know, in thoughts and characters and worlds and stuff like that, like really easily. Not in the same yeah. way where it's like, you know, I, I, I don't, when I'm doing tasks, I don't sort of like blank out and things like that. But yeah. I think that when I start to like, you know, when I make a D&D character or something like that, like I get really lost in that process and like nothing else matters. And I kind of, I get that thought process. I think I'll, I think he's probably one of the most relatable characters for a lot of people probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, hmm. You, your question was, sorry, your question was, like, were any of them, like, relatable for you? Or did, not even relatable no. necessarily, but did you feel a connection? Oh, connection. Did you Got feel, it. like, you know, hmm. did you feel invested in any of the characters or anything like that? Yeah, I, hmm. Uh, not, I don't know. I think that, I think Edie was actually one of the more interesting ones, the great-grandma, mm. Um, yeah. I think she had a lot of control and the I I always thought about dinner table times and funnily enough the game like kind of ends on a dinner table scene where um, Edith and Don are moving out of the house and they're going to put Edie in a home presumably mm-hmm. or going to try to and you get dismissed away from the dinner table um, but I thought a lot about like the different times in the years of like okay, in 2000, these select people would be alive and this is what their dinner table would look like. And I thought about like Edie sort of like what role she had in this because she was like kind of the head of house in a way. Um, And she, I assume that she may or may not have, you know, manipulated decisions of people and like, you know, sort of like gave advice on things. And I wonder how much control she had for people staying because- I don't know if you've ever experienced grandparent guilt, <laughs> but they good at it though. <laughs> they good as hell yeah. at it though. Yeah, um, they've had a lot lifetime of practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that she's a really interesting character, and I don't think they really purposely. I don't think they really dive too deep into it, and I think that's a really good choice. So I feel a connection in the in a curiosity in a way. You know what I mean? Where it's like I really want to yeah. know more about her, and I kind of. I feel like the elderly aren't played enough in Mm -hmm. games. I mean, we've been saying it since, like, episode 20. We need a game where you jump into the minds (laughs) of old folks' homes. We need it. It's a necessity. 
honestly, you're 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 incredibly right there, though. I, elderly are just they are generally not in games unless they are giving you advice about something <laughs> right before they die tragically. <laughs> that or, is the only. They are either quest givers or they know more about the world than they let on, and you'll never figure out what that means. Or if they are an actual elderly person, they will die terribly twenty minutes into the game. Or they're horrible, horrible racists. Oh, well, I mean, but that's just pulling for reality. Like, you're oh, co- oh, oh. Yeah, coin toss if you're dealing with people who are over the age of 70. They're probably a little bit racist. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think I agree with that, though. I think they intentionally don't give you too much to hang on to, but I did feel a little bit of a connection to ED just in that, like, kind of matriarchal role of the whole family um, and the way that, you know. I mean, She's they, also they the oldest. Some, she is the oldest. And, like, I'm looking at this. We have the, the family tree pulled up right now on my mm-hmm. monitor, and it's like... God, what a horrible experience for her to have outlived all of her children, most of her grandchildren, and two of her three great-grandchildren. Like, yeah. God, and her husband. Like, what a what a life. What a horrible series of events, but what a hardened person she must have become because of that. And what like it makes sense that she wouldn't want to leave her home, right? Like cuz that's that's kind of the whole thing you're introduced to at the very beginning and the very end is like you know, there's no way Edie ever would have moved into a home. There's no way that, like, she would move out. And at the end, she's quoted as saying she's not going to leave or anything like that. And, like, well, of course she wouldn't want to leave. Like, why would she be willing to give up the home that was, like, filled with the memories of all these deceased family members from birth to death for almost every single one of them, right? Like, Right. And that's, that's my thing. That's the weird thing about sealing the rooms off. Because I see Edie as a character that would walk throughout those rooms, get in her <laughs> positive emotion. <laughs> I almost said feels again. Uh, yep. Get in her, you know, emotions and feeling about the memories of her, um, of her children. But then Don was just like, nope, we're sealing these right off and you're going to a home. Like, I don't know. There's an amount of control there that I feel really sympathetic towards Edie, but I almost mm. wonder like, does just Don just know better? Because that's something that I think happens in society a lot. I mean, personally speaking, um, my grandparents live in a house that is extremely unsafe for them to live in. Like, there are stairs everywhere and stuff that could just fall on them. And if, like, you know, either of them were to happen to them, like, anything like that, they, they'd they be done. Like, there'd be no way because they're just, you know, they're in their 90s. Like, it's a... It's yeah. a different lifetime, but they would never, ever, ever leave the house. So mm-hmm. I think that is, uh, geez, we've explored a lot of conflicts in our three years of like talking about games, but I think that's one that really has not been brought up yet in just like in games in general that we've played at least. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and you know, I to some degree, obviously, I don't want to harp too much on like why did they seal off the rooms? Because the reality is probably like because it allowed for them to be non-accessible early on, and also, you know, if they were sealed off, it allows for them to retain the character of the they person could have who just lived been and locked, died though. in that room, right? I mean, they could have been, but that would have felt a little out of place. Like, why is everything locked? Why? And you know, they needed to be sealed off so that they wouldn't be touched, so that when you know you go in there, it's still what it looked like when they were a child or something like that yeah um, i guess so. but i, I think just, there's, there's something i don't know there's something that gets to me about that i don't know yeah no but, I, I think it's good like i mean you know i think they did it for gameplay reasons but i think they did choose that method for gameplay reasons right like dawn is definitely the like dawn as a character seems like explicitly like to have something against the house again because of that sealing up she you know left the house and only came back after the uh i don't know if she came back for some particular reason i don't actually know why she came back um and then like you know i i think one of the only lines of dialogue we hear her say throughout the entirety of the game is when she's arguing with Edie and says like the curse is this house and like very distinctly sees it as being you know the cause of all of this death so it it it, it makes sense for her character and ed's character to clash in that way and i think that's really interesting Hmm. does i wonder her did sam go far the hunter go far off to hunt or were they just like in the fort because there's like a lot of forestry Uh, around yeah they don't know she takes a picture she takes a picture in front of a sign for like a different park so they're yeah, outside I, of the I, house. I have to assume it's not that far away, but I, I yeah. assume it's, you know, within 20 miles or something. 
Ah, poor Sam. That was a good scene, though. I really liked that one, too. That was that came in a close second or third for me, just because I like the camera thing where it's like, so the mechanic is you have to like point the camera at an interesting object and it sort of progresses the uh, dialogue between dad and daughter kind of thing and uh, mm-hmm. their hunting trip, which, uh, yeah, I agree with you, though. Like, Don was extremely uncomfortable uh, during killing that deer, and I would be, too. And, yeah, uh, I would I not know. do that then. Hunting no way, is... Ugh, man, I, I understand. There's yes, there's a lot of there's a culture behind it. There are like a lot of good ecological and environmental impacts of hunting. There's obviously rationale behind it, but just the only thing I can speak to is personally, I would not be able to go hunting. Yeah, I just I don't have the stomach for it. Um, but that's not you know necessarily casting aspersions on anyone who does hunt. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. This has been a. Uh, <laughs> We we got a string of episodes where we just spend the whole time talking about death, huh? That's good. That's what we need in this climate right now. It's just Whoa. Sort of positivity. Whoa! That's crazy. This should have been in our <laughs> death and video. Edit this right now. Right now into the death and video games. I think one of the better examples that I've actually played later on is um, What Remains of Edith Finch. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I think we um, we we just we played it uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Let's go. With a couple that. weeks forward. <laughs> yeah, somehow in the forward. future no. we played it. Um, yeah, no, this it's <laughs> very unfortunate that we did it in this order because this is a game that literally, like, the central thesis is death and the way people deal with it, and we didn't get to talk about this in our video game episode about it. So, what are you gonna do? All right, I think that wraps it up. Yes? Yeah, I think we're done here. The only other thing I wanted to say as our credit sequence rolls out is that the credit sequence for this was, like, weirdly kind of touching in a cool way that I think has been done for other projects, but I'm not sure for For games. Uh, They had, like, as the credits rolled for each character, there was, like, you know, the 3D, like, render of the house's different, like, you know, areas and levels that you were kind of going down in, but there were pictures of the developers of, you know, between artists and programmers, etc., as like kids and family pictures. Yeah. And it just added a personal touch where I'm like, man, I wonder where this story comes from. You know what I mean? Like mm. from a brain space sort of like, did someone's, you know, did someone have a really traumatic, like, family line where like a lot of their family members passed away or is this just something that people thought of i don't know it's a it gets that personal touch where you're like man these are the real people behind making this uh this two hour experience really happen and it was uh it was just cool to see them as kids it's uh i don't know it's weird it's a very nice choice I agree. I like that a lot. I mean, in general, like I, I think it worked really well because it fit into the theme of the game and, you know, kind of getting that, like, family history. But also, in general, like, just more pictures of developers in credits. Like, people are so, especially people on the internet who are awful, are so divorced from the, like, humans behind making games. Yeah. Uh, and especially in, like, smaller things, you know, this was a two-hour experience if that um and it was phenomenal but like there was still a bunch of people who worked on it and a bunch of different people that were like needed in order to like make this all happen and i think it's really cool to just be like oh here is like you know here are the people that poured their hearts and souls into the experience you just had and it's important that like you recognize that that was who it was also they <laughs> they showed all the play testers at one point and normally i'm just like oh yeah play testers and kind of skim through it but like they had some talent on that playtesting list. I don't know if you saw that, but, like, Neil Druckmann, the guy behind, like, The Last of Us, and yeah. um, uh, they had um, was on there, Lucas Pope. Lucas Pope, who did, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of stuff was on there, the, um, Papers, Please, and Return of the Oberdin. Like, they, they definitely sent this out to some, um, like, big, big names, and I... That's that was kind of cool to see too, and just be like, oh, yeah. I know those people. Oh, I respect <laughs> what they do, and I respect what Giant Sparrow did. Like, it was cool. Um, I like the credit sequence. I don't normally like credit spe- sequences, but I did did like this one. Giant Sparrow, yeah. Finch. <gasps> We've made a connection. We have uh, to call the we- police right away. <laughs> <laughs> they need to know. We're gonna um, unravel this whole thing. Give me that stinger sequence of Edie sitting there in the dark and a sparrow lands on her shoulder. Yes. Perfect. Um, so here's the deal. And this is so important that you hear this part out. I need you to go to twitter.com. No, I promise. <laughs> no, it's not stupid. It's not. It's not. It's not, not stupid. Not stupid. No, not no, stupid. no, 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 no. Twitter.com forward slash 
or I don't know if it's a forward slash. Yeah, it is. Thoughts from P1. You're going to go there and you're going to see when episodes post. It's so important. Sometimes we say things about other things or comment on other posts. It's we so important do more of it. We absolutely should do more of it. We hey, really if you should. do that, if you do this incredibly important task that Duncan is requesting you do, feel free to tweet at us and let us know, like, hey, this episode was good or this episode wasn't good or I really want you guys to play this. Um, <laughs> admittedly, we've had a number of people tweet at us game suggestions in the past. We've taken none of them. I swear to God, it's not because we don't care. It's just because they didn't line up or they were games we had already played. But we yeah. do take into consideration every single game suggestion we get. Um, and also, we'll reply to things. Hey, we're more than happy to, to talk with, with all y'all out there. Yeah, if you don't want it to make a Twitter, if you don't want to get it on that dirty website, because we know it's filthy in there, you go to Gmail, or you don't have to go to Gmail, but you send us an email <laughs> at thoughtsfromplayer1 at gmail.com, and then we'll get your personal request. We'll write back, or we'll you know talk about a question in the show, anything like that. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to announce um, is... And I don't know if we're ready to announce this. Oh, oh we're not. We're oh, never geez. ready to announce anything but, we do here. Oh, yeah. Boy, if you want to discuss games that we're going to play in the future, I think how we're going to work this is, and we're going to play it out, and you know, if no one joins, that's fine. If we get some people around, um, we're going to post games that we are going to play, give you an opportunity to play them with us, um, and just kind of join us on this journey here. Because... I think my favorite thing about this podcast has been playing new games and playing games that are more emotionally impactful because if we didn't mm-hmm. play this, if I didn't have this podcast, I wouldn't play any of that, dude. I'd be playing fucking League of Legends right now or whatever game that just tickled my endorphins in the moment. But I... <laughs> certainly a way to upset that. Yeah, sure. I want everyone to be able to be able to play more of these games to help that economy continue through and like just get people playing more interesting stuff because I want more of that stuff. It's important yeah. to me. So I want us to be able to talk about it and have a place for suggestions and just general chit chat. So what I'm leading this to be is I that was gonna say, are you actually gonna say what it is? I wanted to I wanted to make the interest level high. Uh, is is a Discord server. I'm going to post the Discord server link in the description of this episode, um, and you'll have access to our channels, which right now are general uh, game discussions, game suggestions, and our news where we'll post um, you know, what games we're going to be playing so you can play along with us or ask us questions. We're going to try our best to do this. Again, don't know if anyone will come around, but hope so. Um, Facebook, that's from Player One. That's fine. And that's it. That's all I have. That is all of our social media. I think that's everything. Um, we are still figuring out what we're going to play next. We will announce that on Twitter. Um, we might do you know, a number of different things. We might just finish out an Annapurna purge here, which we've been getting through because, again, their games are all great. Um, but after that, I do know we are going to be playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake when it comes out because that is something that I think we could have a really interesting perspective on with me as somebody who played it when they were a kid and has, you know, semi-recently watched sections of the old one and Duncan, somebody who has no history whatsoever with Final Fantasy is, VII. Is his name Clued? His Clued? name is Clued Mandragon. Clued um, Struth. not his last name. Um or his first name. I should clarify. I know it's not Clued. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's probably going to be what we do next because, hey, we got a little bit of time and it's coming out this Friday. So, you know, we'll be able to, to get it done and kind of get in on the wave of that. So if you are interested in hearing us talk about that, um, check it out. Or, you know, just don't. If you played it 20 years ago or whatever, you can just listen to it. I'm sure you'll get a lot of the same information anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be playing that next. And keep an eye We'll post more. We have some YouTube content we're going to hope to get up um, in the next you know, couple of weeks here. Um, but we'll post more about that whenever we have more to say about that, I think. Okay. Uh, do we have that greeting card? God, it's going to be. There's The thing is, there's a lot of sympathy for death greeting cards. Yeah, <laughs> none of them funny, huh? card for death of literal whole family. <laughs> if we have anything there. <laughs> Gee whiz, I'm sorry that your whole family had to pass, but tonight, let's forget about that. <laughs> yeah, that's was it. That one? Was that it, Duncan? That's, that's what I read online, a real one. That was, I'm sorry, that, that seems like an extremely real one. Yeah. All right, give me a minute. Oh, geez, oh, Lord. 
they all they all done died. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, sorry about everyone. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, sorry about everyone. Period. The end. <laughs> uh. Ah, uh, here's one. Um, Is there any curse cards? Uh, Could we just read a curse like Yu-Gi-Oh card? Could we just read an actual curse? Uh, no, I got I got one here. It's, okay. it's not a bummer because it's not about death. Um, okay, Can I read so it? This? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. You, do, you, do you have something you have I, to read? No. I was going to read the okay. Yu-Gi-Oh card Curse of Royal, but I'll hold that. Well, if you want to, we'll throw that after the credits. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's just, this one, I think in the the vein of Edith Finch, this one would be a greeting card that we would have delivered in, oh, I don't know, say 1900 maybe, right around there, okay. maybe a little after. Um, so this would be just after they built their new ancestral home. It's not just a new place. It's a new place to get pizza delivered. So happy for you on your new home. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Oh, I don't even need to read the Yu-Gi-Oh card, man. That was perfect. Do it, though. Um, do you want Curse of Royal? I want Curse of Royal. Negate the activation and the effect of a spell or trap card that includes the effect of destroying one spell or trap card and destroy it. What the fuck, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yo, so somebody could be like, uh, you've activated my trap card, and you could be like, ha, not so fast, your trap has activated my counter trap. Right. Damn, dude. Uno reverse card, I like that shit, that's good. Curse of Darkness, each time a spell card is activated, immediately after it resolves, the player that activated it takes a thousand damage. I love how big these numbers are. That's huge. Honestly, can I tell you, I was really hoping it would be like Curse of Darkness immediately after this card is played. The player has to get up and turn off the lights or something like that. <laughs> Curse... <laughs> Curse of Edith Finch. Curse of Finch. When this card is revealed, kill the rest of your family members. <laughs> Reveal the top eight cards of your deck. These will be the story of your family's death. <laughs> If you draw an Edith card, put oh, that face God. down and draw a Christopher. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I stopped it. <laughs>